growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. We give you the praise. Yes, Jesus. Lots of people pray in lots of different ways, especially in a group setting. I know that with your strength we can change the world! We can change the world! Have you noticed that? And I worship you Some people like to pray out loud. Others pray quietly. Some people like to verbally confirm what others are praying. Some people like to repeat God's name throughout their prayers. And all your wonderful Lord Jesus things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us, Lord Jesus. The truth is, the manner of our prayer is not what really matters. But there are certain components that are vital to a vibrant, powerful prayer life. This principle of sowing and reaping. And it's not just about money. It's about everything in your life. It's about your talents. It's about your resources. It's about your time. And if you will sow time into a persistent prayer life, you will reap God's blessings and rewards as a result of that. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today is part three of our four-part series entitled Pray 18. Pastor Clay is spending four weeks in Daniel chapter six and looking at a circumstance in Daniel's life that can teach us a lot about prayer. This is who Daniel is. It's almost as if I have to pray. Persistent prayer. It's as much a part of his life as breathing air and eating food. He's persistent in his prayer life. Hopefully, you and I will never find ourselves thrown into a lion's den. But certainly, trying circumstances and trials in our lives can leave us feeling hopeless and afraid. Daniel's prayer life teaches us how to overcome those things and how to experience God's power in our lives. Now, here's Pastor Clay. For the past two weeks, we've been looking at some some elements, some components, some essentials that really have to be part of our prayer life. If we want a successful prayer life, that may not be defined necessarily the way we would or the way the world does or whatever, but to have a successful, to have a powerful prayer life, there are certain components, certain elements that need to be present in our prayer life. And so today, I want to continue that theme. I want to give you a couple of more uh, parts to our prayer life that are really important if we want our prayer life to be all that it can be and all that God desires for it to be. If you have your Bible with you, you can open it this morning to Daniel chapter 6. Now, if you're with us for the first time, let me just go ahead and tell you that we read uh, Daniel 6 verses 1 through 10 a couple of weeks ago and really kind of set the context then. And so all four of these messages in this series are coming from Daniel chapter 6. Uh, today we're looking at a couple of them and, and a few ideas in there, but we've kind of already set the stage. If you want to go back and read that I, or to watch those messages, they're available online uh, from our website. Uh, you can go to uh, uh, you can podcast them. Uh, through uh, various means and lots of different ways that you can watch or hear them. I encourage you to, to do that anyway. But most people are probably familiar with the story of Daniel, particularly this story in Daniel chapter 6 and what ends up being Daniel's uh, being thrown into the lion's den. Uh, most of us are probably familiar with that story. But even if you're not, I think you can grab a hold of the ideas that we're sharing today. And we're going to start uh, with this first part uh, or component of prayer that is essential for a successful prayer life. It looks like this. Prayer is persistence with God. 
know I'm just kind of jumping right into it this morning, but you hang with me. Prayer is persistence with God. By the way, if you like to take notes, we do provide that opportunity on the back of your program. There's some blanks. Uh, Feel free to do so. Or if you're the kind of person that just more likes to listen and absorb it, that's fine uh, too. We just try and give people different options. Prayer is persistence with God. I want to read verse 5 and then verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. A couple weeks ago, we talked about why these men were trying to get Daniel. He's being elevated to second in command under the king. They're not happy about it. They want, it, they want him out of the way. These men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. And then verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber... He had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. One thing that comes out in the life of Daniel is this, the fact that Daniel was persistent in his prayer life. I think it's interesting, and I talked about this Uh, earlier in the series, but I think it's interesting that these guys who are out to get Daniel knew exactly how to get Daniel, or at least how they thought they could get Daniel. They had already admitted that there was There was no way they were going to find him doing something immoral, something illegal, uh, ripping off the king, cooking the books. Uh, They they had already realized, they'd already admitted to themselves, uh, listen, we're not going to find it there. If we're going to find anything against this Daniel, if we're going to get him out of the way, if we're going to find anything against this guy, it's going to be in relationship uh, to his relationship with his God. It's going to be about his, his relationship with his God, about his faith in his God, about his practices before his God. If we're going to get him, that's going to be our end. That's how we're going to get him. Listen, can I say something to all of us this morning? What a great testimony to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ that whether it is in your workplace or, or in my neighborhood or in your school, what an amazing thing to say that, that, that people would say, if we're going to find anything, if we're going to try and get that guy in trouble, if we're going to try and get that lady in trouble, the only way we're going to be able to do it is if it has something to do with their faith and their belief in their God and the practices of their beliefs in their, in, in their God. That there's no way we're going to find them doing something wrong towards the company or towards this person or that person. If we're going to get them, it's going to have to be something to do with their faith. What an amazing testimony that is to us but the reason they knew that they would catch Daniel the the reason they knew that this was their chance to get Daniel and get him out of the way was because they knew that this was Daniel's practice that prayer persistent prayer was a part of Daniel's life it's just what he did and so they knew that once they had basically tricked or conned the king, Darius, into signing this document, this edict, saying that, that no one can bow down, worship, pray to any person or any god other than you, Darius, for the next 30 days. Once they had got the king to sign that document and put it in place, they knew they had Daniel. 
Because as it clearly says in verse 10, Daniel goes up and he does exactly what he's been doing day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Daniel has been doing the same thing. He's persistent in his prayer life and he's going to continue to do his prayer life no matter what. And listen, I know because, again, as I said a while ago, most of us are probably familiar with this story. Because we are, because we know the outcome, I think sometimes it can kind of sort of take the edge off. But I, I, wanted, I want us just to remember here for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, that when that edict was signed, when that document was handed down, and, and uh, the fact that no one could pray or, or worship or bow down to any other God or any other person for 30 days, once that was in place, I want you to understand something. As the text clearly brings out, the penalty for violating that law was also put out there. It was, all, it was right from the beginning, it was put out there. And everybody knew what the penalty was. And it wasn't just going to jail as unfair as that would have been. Oh, no. Oh, no. You get caught praying in the next 30 days, and you are the main course on the menu at the Lion's Den Inn and Restaurant tonight. And I know that, that we don't really get a choice on how we will die, but I suspect being eaten by a lion would not be on anybody's list. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think Daniel knew. I don't think he knew whether he would live or he would die. It's interesting. In verse uh, 16, when when Darius figures out he's been tricked, but but he can't can't revoke it. It's the law of the Medes and the Persians. Once it's signed, there's no undoing. He's got to put Daniel in the lion's den. It's interesting. In verse 16, it says this. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. You know who doesn't say anything there? Daniel. I think Daniel's ready to die. I don't think he knows whether God's going to necessarily deliver him or not. By the way, I don't think Darius had a prophetic word right there. I really really don't. Now, he was right. God did not let Daniel die. He was right, but his reaction the next morning when he goes running to the pit... Uh, to see if Daniel is still alive, it, it, it leads you to believe that, that his declaration there was probably more of a wishful hope, yeah, that, uh, that he's still going to be there. But the point is, Daniel was willing to pray, knowing what the penalty was, and knowing that he's going to get caught. He knows. When he goes up there to pray, he knows he's going to get caught because he knows that these guys are the ones that put this all in motion. This was their doing. They put the king. He knows their jealousies. He knows they want him out of the way. And, he, and, he, he, and I don't know for sure, but I'm willing to bet this is day one of the edict. Nothing, no, it's just, this is who Daniel is. It, it, it's almost as if Daniel, I have to pray. I've talked about that before. Persistent prayer. It's as much a part of his life as breathing air and eating food. He's persistent in his prayer life. No matter what the obstacle And no matter what, it might cost him. Some of you, I'm pretty sure, have heard me, I think I've told some of you this story before about a a story I heard when I was in seminary years ago. Uh, Julian Motley had been a pastor in Durham, North Carolina for many, many, many years. And after he retired, the president of Southeastern Seminary at that time, Paige Patterson, uh, invited, asked uh, Reverend Motley if he would come and teach a pastoral care and counseling class to young preacher boys because, because he knew more about pastoral care and counseling than 
any of us would ever know, probably. He'd been pastoring for like 50 years or something like, like that. And so Reverend Motley came over and taught that class. And I had that class uh, one year. And in the class one day, he was talking about the importance of prayer and time in the Word of God and just that time of getting with God, the importance of it in all of our lives. But in that context, in that classroom, he was talking about it and the importance of it uh, in, in a pastor's life. And how so many things, so many good things, so many ministry-related things can, can be on our plate so that prayer just kind of can get pushed out of the way. Can you all identify with that? I know you may, not, you may, may or may not be a pastor or minister or whatever, but can you identify what I'm saying? Just the busyness of life can push things out of the way. If, if, if I take time to pray, this is going to happen. It's going to mess my whole schedule up or I'm not going to get this done or I'm not going to happen that or whatever. And so Reverend Motley's telling this story about how one morning he, he got up and it was just a particularly busy day. He had hospital visits to make and, and some shut-ins to, to visit. He had some sermon work to do. And it was just a really you know, busy day. And so, you know, he just, he just justified. He said, I just, I, just don't, I just don't have time to spend with the Lord today. And, you know, I'll pray some as I'm driving or something. I, I just, I just, I got, I got to get going. I got to get my day going. And so he got dressed and he, he, he lived in the parsonage, which was right beside the church. And the parsonage had a carport on the side of the house, uh, as he tells it. And uh, he said his goodbyes to his wife, and he made his way through the kitchen, and he went to the kitchen door, the side door that led out into the carport, and he said he, he put his hand on the handle of the door, and, and just as he put his hand on the handle of the door, he said, just, just like that, God, God, he said, God just spoke to him. That probably wasn't audible or anything, but he just, he just knew God was speaking to him, and, and, and Reverend Motley said, God, God just in that moment said, can you, not, can you not tarry 30 minutes with me? Do you not have 30 minutes, even 30 minutes, and he said that the conviction was so heavy upon him that he's like, yes, Lord, yeah, I, I know. I did. And so he said, he turned around, he went back to his study, and he said he only spent about 30 minutes. That he, he just really just knew he didn't have enough time. But as he told it, he said it was one of the sweetest 30 minutes that he'd ever spent with the Lord. It was just a sweet time, and it was just good. He finished up his time with the Lord praying and in God's Word and whatever all that was. He finished that up, and he hurried on out the, through the kitchen. He got to the door and he opened the door to go out to the carport. And as he opened the door, uh, this guy stands up from, from the other side of his car. And Reverend Motley said it startled him. He knew the guy. He, in just a second, he recognized him, but it, it startled him because this guy just stands up. And he says, well, Tom, what are you doing here? I don't know that that was his name, but Tom, what are you doing here? And he says, well, well, pastor, he said, uh, I was driving by about 30 minutes or so ago, and I just happened to look over at the church and said, I, and I have no idea why I would do this, ha, spot it, but I just happened to spot that you had a flat tire on your car, and I got nowhere to be necessarily this morning, so I just thought I'd pull in and, and, and change your tire for you. I'm just finishing up. You can, you can get going. And he said, God so spoke to him in that moment and reminded him, he said, you could have spent that 30 minutes that you thought you didn't have with me, you could have spent that 30 minutes changing that tire and getting sweaty and dirty and having to go back inside and clean up, maybe get a shower again, change clothes, whatever all, and end up losing time. Or you can believe that I am the God who can supernaturally expand your time and make it possible for you. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It's this principle. You find this principle throughout Scripture. It's this principle of sowing and reaping. 
if, and, and it's not just about money, okay? It's about everything in your life. It's about your talents. It's about your resources. It's about your time. And if you will sow time into a persistent prayer life, you will reap God's blessings and rewards as a result of that. Even to the extent that I promise you this, from personal experience, I will tell you this, God will supernaturally, I don't care how to explain it or how it works, but I'm just telling you, God will supernaturally expand your time so that you have enough time to get done whatever it is you think you need to get done that's keeping you from that persistent prayer life today. He'll do it. I'm telling you, he'll do it. Listen, in Luke chapter 5, it says this, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I, I don't even need to say it, do I? But if if the Son of God saw the necessity for persistent prayer, regularly getting away, do you think maybe it might be needed for us? Do we have our acts so together that we don't need to pray as much as Jesus did? <laughs> I, I, I don't, oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, Jesus tells this story, this parable, about the importance of persistent prayer. Look at it, Luke chapter 18. Listen, let me read it to you. He said, he told them a parable urging them to keep praying. Listen to what he's saying. Keep praying and never grow discouraged. And the parable went like this. There was a judge living in a certain city. He showed no respect for God or humanity. In that same city, there was a widow. Again and again, she kept coming to him seeking justice. Clear my name from my adversary's false accusations. He paid no attention to her request for a while. But then he said to himself, I don't care about what God thinks of me, much less what any mere human thinks, but this widow is driving me crazy. She is never going to quit coming to see me unless I hear her case and provide her legal protection. Did you catch what this self-assured judge said? If he can be moved to act justly, won't God bring justice for his chosen people when they cry to him day and night? Will he be slow to bring them justice? Mark my words, God will intervene fast with vindication. But here's the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find anyone who still has faith? In other words, in the parable, Jesus says, man, if this, if this scoundrel judge, if, he, if he's even willing to move upon this persistent prayer, how much more will this God of goodness, this God of love and mercy and grace, this God who is your father, if you know him as Lord and Savior, this God who is your father wants to hear your prayers to him. How much more, Jesus says, will he respond when you persistently, consistently come to him in prayer? In Acts chapter 1, the early church, uh, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to what? To prayer. Say it. To prayer. With one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and with his brothers. All of them gathered together, persistently praying for the power of God to move and accomplish its purposes in people's lives. By the way, let me say this, and then I'll give you a couple things to write down if you want to do that. There is a direct correlation between one of the subjects we talked about last week, the passion that should be involved in our, in our prayer life, our passion for God, and, and, and how that should should spill over in, into our prayer life. There's a direct correlation between that passion and this idea of persistence. See, I have discovered that the more passionate I am about my relationship with God, the more persistent I am in my prayer life too, and the more I want to go to him in prayer. And the more persistent I am in my prayer life to God, 
the more passionate I am about him and my relationship with him because I'm spending time with him. I'll get to that in just a second. There's a direct correlation between those two ideas. Okay, here's a question for you because we're all, we're all about practicality, right? Practicality. Why should we pray persistently? What's in it for me? How do, what do I get out of this? Why, why should we pray persistently? Y'all wondering that, right? Why don't you just ask it out loud? Go ahead. Why should I pray persistently? Good question. Let me give you some answers. One, because it means significant time for me with God. And that's a relational thing. You see, to get to know someone, this is right. I mean, relationships 101. To get to know someone, you have to spend time with that someone. You have to consistently, persistently spend time with them. And as you spend time with them, you get to know them. And the more you get to know them, the more you become uh, passionate about them, the more you like them, the more you uh, understand them, the more you enjoy being in their presence. You see, it allows me to spend time with God. And that is a relational thing in my life. I need that. You need that. Those of you who are married or we're married or want to be married. You all know how, how this thing is and, and how your spouse needs time with you and you need time with your spouse and how, how this relational thing is built through time. Not saying you don't occasionally need a, a little time apart, a, a little trip here or there or ladies night out or something. But I'm just saying that you need this, this relationship thing, right? It's a relational thing. All right, here's another one. Uh, it's a tool that God uses to change me. And that's a needed thing. All of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, all of us are a work in progress. Now, some of you may be farther down the road than others because of the length of time that you've been in a relationship with Jesus Christ or uh, been, been reading and studying and learning his word. Or some, some people may be farther down the road than others, but all of us are in process. God is in the process of changing us from who we are as a, as a natural man, who Clay is naturally and his tendencies and how he wants to think and how he wants to act and what he wants to do. God is changing those, making me more into the image of his son Christ and into what that looks like and, and how that is. Spending time with him allows the Holy Spirit to bring conviction into my life and that changes me. Let's say, for instance, let's say, for instance, you, you want to see the people of God, this church, any, whatever church, you want to see the people of God more engaged in sharing the message of Jesus with, with the world around us, those without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to see the church, the body of Christ, sharing the message of Jesus with those around it. As you spend time praying about that, guess what God is going to do? God is going to burden your heart about the needs of those around you and a relationship with Jesus Christ and what, what comes from that relationship and why people need that relationship. And not only is he going to burden your heart about that, he's going to provide opportunities for you to engage those around you through just sharing a testimony of what God has done in your life, through handing out an iVite card, through whatever the case may be. But you understand, it's, it's going to change you. You're going to be more aware of the need to share your faith with others. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Ah. Let's say you struggle with your, with your tongue, with talking. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's coarse language and 
cussing shouldn't be there in your life? Maybe it's just talking too much. <laughs> Why did that one make everybody laugh? I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not sure what's causing that. But maybe it's talking too much. But whatever it is, as you persistently pray to God, about your mouth and about the struggle that you're having in your mouth, guess what he's going to do? He's going to bring conviction to you and he's going to begin to change your mouth. He will. I promise you, he will. Whether we're talking about lust or greed or anger or whatever it is that you struggle with, as you take those things to God in your persistent prayer time, as you share with God, again, as I've said all along, we're not informing God. We're not telling God something he doesn't know. That's not the point. But as you do that, God then uses that to change you. His spirit brings his conviction in your life and it changes you. And that's a needed thing. And then third reason that we pray persistently is this. It allows me to join God in fulfilling his purposes. And that's a powerful thing, ladies and gentlemen. To join God in fulfilling his purposes. In the work that God is doing in this world. My, my firm con- conviction, belief, that God is not desiring, not willing that any should perish, that he would desire persons of every race, tribe, and tongue, every people group, every continent on this earth, every place, that God would know that he is no respecter of persons, that he loves all people and and sent his son to, to make the payment for our sins so that every person could have a relationship with him. God allows us, through prayer, to have the opportunity to to engage in his kingdom work. That's an exciting thing. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, get an opportunity to change the world. You and I have the opportunity through prayer to help change a person's, now think about this, a person's eternal destiny. The Bible says that all people will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. Through prayer, you have the opportunity to be engaged and have a part in that. To change a person's eternal destiny. What an amazing thing. You have the opportunity to, to be part in, in, in seeing God's work in a church and cause a church to explode and just begin to reach thousands of people. You have the opportunity. I have the opportunity to affect some tiny little village in some remote forgotten part of the world where some missionary is going in there. You have the opportunity to pray and break down barriers of darkness and spiritual warfare that are going on. And you have the opportunity to let the light of the gospel penetrate a part of the world that you may never physically go to yourself. But through the power of persistent prayer, God uses your kingdom work to accomplish his purposes. Now, That brings up the question, if I don't pray, are there some things that will not get done? I realize that when we talk about the sovereignty of God, his all-knowing everything, and, and the free will of man, and how those things work together, I realize that we're in the deep end of the pool when we begin to talk about those kind of things. But all I can tell you is that God, through James, says, James chapter 5, you do not have because you do not ask. God uses prayer to accomplish his work. In Acts uh, chapter 12, there's the story of uh, Peter's thrown in prison uh, by Herod, and uh, Herod's going to put him to death, but he wants to wait for the right time, wants to make sure he can get enough people there and put on a big show, and so he has uh, Peter arrested, and he has him uh, thrown in. He says, four squads of guards are assigned to him. I I could ask Russell, he could probably tell me how how many guys are in a squad how many Russell guys are in a squad? 13? 13 in one squad. Uh, at least that's the way we do it. Uh, the, Herod assigns four squads 
to watch over and protect one guy. Put him in the prison until he's ready to bring him out. And the text says in, uh, in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 5, it says, But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. And the very night that Peter was going to be brought out and executed, beheaded, I assume, God supernaturally delivers him. Because, because a group of people said, you know what? We, we need to pray. We need to pray. By the way, don't do it now because I'm preaching. It's real, I'd rather you listen to me. But when you get a chance, go back and read that story in Acts chapter 12. Because quite honestly, it's a hilarious story of, of when, when, when the angel springs Peter out of jail. He's not even sure at first what's happened. But when he realizes he's been sprung out of jail, he goes straight to the house where the all-night prayer meeting is going on. Where they're praying for him. A girl named Rhoda answers the door and, uh, and she hears Peter's voice. And she doesn't even open the door. She just hears Peter's voice. And she runs back in to the prayer meeting and says, you guys aren't going to believe it. Peter's here. Peter's here. Peter's here. And what do these, what do these giants of the faith say? You're insane. Get out of here. Peter's not at the front door. We know he's not at the front door because he's in prison. Why do you think we've gathered here tonight? We've gathered here to pray that God would supernaturally work in this situation uh, while he's in prison. So get out of here so we can get back to praying for God to miraculously intervene in this situation. (laughs) You know what that tells us, by the way, sidebar, you know what that tells us? It tells us that these giants of the faith, these people that we read about in here, they're just like you and me. They had their struggles. They had their doubts. They had their ups and downs. They had their uncertain moments. But the point is, through it all, God uses our prayers to accomplish his purposes. And that is a powerful. How can I not pray? How can I not pray if I know that God can use it to change the world? All right, let me let me get to second idea, which is connected to the first idea, and it is this. Prayer is patience toward God. Prayer is patience toward God. It is persistence, and you can almost say the other side of the coin is that prayer is patience toward God. This is a lesson that I believe Daniel knew well in his life. He needed to know this in his life. Daniel and not just in chapter 6, but in looking at his life overall. Daniel was carried off into captivity uh, as a young man, probably as a teenager. He almost certainly never saw his family again. Never saw him again. Imagine that. Think to yourself, now never to, to be carried off. Suddenly, somebody come in here, take you away, never see your family again. Almost certainly never saw his family again, carried off to a, to a nation, to a group of people who did not worship the God that he knew, did not speak the language that he knew, did not eat the food that he knew. If I could get that to go off at the right time, it would be really effective, I'm telling you. Did not practice the morals that he practiced, and that, that was his life. That's where he was going to be. And he went through multiple trials, not the least of which is Daniel 6 and this trip to the lion's den. He, he went through multiple trials in his life. He saw rulers and leaders come and go. But through it all, Daniel persistently and patiently prayed to God. And because of his patience toward God in his prayer life, he saw God answer prayers in amazing ways. And by the way, when I say patience toward God, I do not mean as if God gives us some reason that we have to be patient with him, as if he's doing something wrong. I I said this uh, uh, recently in one of the messages. Uh, God's clock is way more accurate than our clock is. 
So I don't mean that God's doing, doing something wrong that requires us to be patient with him. What I am saying is that God doesn't always work immediately. Not always. Sometimes, yes. And Jesus alluded to that in, in the parable in, in Luke 18. That, that when it's time to move, nothing will keep God from doing it, and he'll be swift in his actions. But you and I all know, any of this, anybody spent more than five minutes in prayer, all of us know that God does not always answer immediately and that you sometimes have to be patient with God. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> not because I don't like y'all. I just, it may be somewhere right in there. Because he was patient. With God, knowing that God's timing is perfect, that God was going to accomplish what God was going to do, and that all he had to do was persistently, patiently pray. And he could trust God with the results. But, all right, can I say this to y'all? That is so hard for us in the 21st century because, man, we, we, right? We, We want instant results. Listen, you can get instant mashed potatoes. You can get instant oatmeal. You can get instant pudding, but you don't usually get instant results when it comes to your prayer life. It's just, it's just God has purposes in, in, in the delay. God has purposes in our learning to be patient with what God is doing and believing that he knows a little more about the situation that you and I may know. And so we patiently pray. Popcorn is microwavable. Prayer is not. But in this 21st century where, listen, we are, oh, listen, and some of y'all are just, y'all are really technologically, y'all are, we are the most technologically advanced, materialistically prosperous people on the earth. But we are also weak and anemic when it comes to seeing power displayed in our prayer life because we're unwilling to be patient and wait for God to move. We think we've got we to take, well, I've got to do, well, nothing's happening. I've got to do this. I've got to go over here. I've got to make this move. I've got to do, instead of patiently waiting for what God will do. Isaiah chapter 40, we even sang about this some this morning. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God. Now you can fill your name in instead of Israel there. You, you ever been in prayer life when you, and, and you ever been in that place where you've like, God, you, you're not doing anything. God, nothing's changing. God, nothing's happening. God, nothing's working out. God, what in the world are you doing? That, that's essentially what Israel's saying. God, nothing's happening. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might. He increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Patience, patiently waiting on God to move and have his purposes in our life. Let me say a word about, well, let me just say this. Sometimes in the midst of a, a body of believers, there are, there are some people who uh, perhaps because of physical limitations or schedules or or whatnot, there are are people that sometimes are unable to be engaged or involved in in what we might consider more of the the hands-on types 
of a type of ministry. You know what I'm saying? That because of physical limitations or things like that, a person's not able uh, to do that. And because of that, sometimes that person can begin to... I said I wasn't going to walk over here, didn't I? (laughs) Because of that, that person can sometimes begin to feel uh, demoralized, you know, really just kind of just, just, they just feel bad because they're not able to engage in, in, in the work that needs to be done. Now listen, obviously, certainly, there's obviously hands-on ministry that needs to be done all the time. And, 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 and anybody that's able to should be engaged, hands-on type of ministry. But I want to say to you if, you, if you're here and you're one of those persons that, that, have, have learned and not able to do, I want you to understand, you may be the greatest minister of all in this church if you are engaged in persistently, patiently praying. You may, you may be the most important part of this whole thing if you're engaged in this, in this prayer that all of us are called to. And here's the great thing about persistent, patient praying. It doesn't require anything special. You don't have to have a special gift from the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have a seminary degree. All you have to have is a willingness to set time aside, whatever block of time aside, and persistently and patiently pray to God. And if we will do that in the context of Cross Culture Church in 2018, if we will persistently and patiently pray, in 2018, I I honestly believe we will see God's hand move in a powerful way in this fellowship. If we just pray persistently, patiently, waiting for the Lord and what He would do. Amen? Persistence and patience, those are certainly two aspects of our prayer life that fit nicely together. In our American culture, persistence and patience are difficult to practice because we are so used to instant results. But as we all should know, God's ways are not man's ways. As Pastor Clay reminded us today, first and foremost, our prayer life should always be about our relationship with God. We shouldn't rush through our time with Him. He invites us into His presence, and you and I have to learn the value of not rushing through that time. And as Pastor Clay also reminded us today, God's clock is much more accurate than our own. We want to see results quickly, but because of God's perspective, He knows that waiting is sometimes best, even if we don't understand why. As we've been learning in this series on prayer, as in most things in our life, faith is the key to a powerful prayer life. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church in North Rollins, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.